Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with James O'Brien. 12.48 is the time we began this morning. It feels like a long time ago. Um, one of my favourite shows in a long time, this. Thank you so much for, for, for your help. And glancing at the screen now, we could continue probably right through until Boris Johnson actually leaves Downing Street for the, for the final time, which I think is scheduled to happen on Monday. But we began by finally acknowledging the parallels between Britain and America, the, the fact that Boris Johnson's uh, audacity in doing some sort of victory lap when it's taken us three hours to make a list of all the appalling things that he's inflicted on this country and the claim that he's done a good job is up there with the big lie that Donald Trump continues to perpetuate that he actually won the last election but events in America have been particularly fascinating over the course of the last week and whenever that happens we call upon the sage that is Simon Marks and we ask a variation on the question that we've been asking almost since he became president, um, which is, I'm talking about Donald Trump becoming president, not Simon Marks, although um, I'm sure he'd have done a better job, uh, which is, is this the straw that will break the camel's back, Simon? And tell us, first of all, what the straw is with regard to the, 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 the secret documents, the Mar-a-Lago raid and the incredible contortions that Trump has undertaken in order to evade reality this time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not evident that it is necessarily the straw that will break the camel's back, but it certainly is the straw that could lead to Donald Trump and others in his inner circle facing obstruction of justice charges. We knew, James, earlier in the summer that Donald Trump had taken a whole pile of records that actually belong to the American people and to the United States government to Mar-a-Lago. Just to be clear, uh, all the documents that any American president touches during the time of his presidency uh, are not his personal property. They are the property of the country and they are due to be handed over uh, to the National Records Administration, which is part of the National Archives at the end of every presidency. Donald Trump, of course, being unusual in every regard, decided decided not to do that and took about 15 boxes of documents to Mar-a-Lago. Now, much earlier in the year, we knew that those boxes had found their way to Mar-a-Lago. We knew that the National Archives were sending people down there to pick them up. And we knew that the Trump team was handing them over. What we did not know was that that was not the entirety of the trove of documents, many of them containing top secret, absolutely super classified markings and status that Donald Trump had taken with him. And so behind the scenes, there was this ongoing tussle between Donald Trump and his people uh, down in Florida and the National Archives up here in Washington over the National Archives' suspicion that other papers were still at Mar-a-Lago. The failure of the Trump people to cooperate fully with that investigation by the National Archives is what led to that very dramatic, unprecedented FBI raid on the former president's home, uh, which resulted, of course, most recently in the publication of that photograph, literally showing an array of documents on the uh, the president's, not particularly attractive, it has to be said, carpet of his <laughs> office uh, in, in Mar-a-Lago. I think I might have picked a slightly different colour, but there it is. 
Um, now, Trump, of course, insists that that's not how he was keeping the records. This is an attempt by the FBI to smear him and to indicate that these records were all mishandled by him. But the bottom line is they took away another 300 pages of documents, many of which it is absolutely clear he should not have had and were not being security stored in the manner in which the National Archives had demanded. That's why we're seeing all of these legal filings from the Department of Justice in the back-and-forth tennis match with Donald Trump and his lawyers over this that indicate very clearly that the Department of Justice is mounting a case to bring obstruction of justice charges against someone in Trump world, possibly the former president himself, possibly also his lawyers. And he's got a real problem because he spent the last month trying to find lawyers willing to represent him, which is hard because he has such a long track record of refusing to pay lawyers and because, frankly, his legal argument is pretty thin. But then having found lawyers to represent him now, those lawyers could find themselves being accused of uh, having misled investigators when they told investigators, we haven't got any of these documents. He's turned them all over. Good grief. Um, what is his defence? Well, 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 I mean, I used the word contortions when I was... <laughs> you're chuckling, but we need some words. <laughs> well, I mean, there isn't a defence. I mean, there really isn't a cogent defence. I mean, on the one hand, there have been supporters of Donald Trump who have argued that this is all an FBI plant operation. Uh, you know, conspiracy theories that suggest the FBI are simply trying to take him down on mm. the brink uh, of him seeming to be ready to announce that he's running again for the presidency in 2024. On the other hand, Donald Trump has now indicated that all of these documents were declassified. They were declassified by him and don't worry about those classification markings that they all contain on the cover sheets. It's just they still had the cover sheets on them, but he declassified them before he left office. Now, there's no evidence to support the view that he went through any kind of formal declassification process. It has to be said that there is controversy and dispute over precisely how a president can declassify documents. Remember, Donald Trump's got form in this regard. Mm. Remember that meeting that he had with... uh, Israeli officials in which he inadvertently at one point during his presidency uh, provided them with classified information that then led to H.R. McMaster racing out onto the White House lawn and assuring everybody that he was in the room and it never happened. Then the White House said actually it did happen but it was okay because by disclosing this intelligence, uh, I think it was actually intelligence about Israel that he disclosed to Russian officials, but by disclosing this intelligence that was an act of declassification. Well, that's not exactly how the process is supposed to work. And this argument that all of these documents are somehow governed by a blanket act of declassification still doesn't answer the central question, which is, why has he got them? Why does he even want them? Do you want to have a go at answering that? Well, I mean, there are all sorts of theories about that. I mean... Well, it's Donald Trump we're talking about, so you you have to think either leverage of some kind or, I mean, information that other people might be prepared to pay for. I mean, you can go anywhere with this, couldn't you? Well, let's start out by being fair to Donald Trump. At the end of any presidency, it is usual for presidents to want to consult some of their papers as they start preparing to build their (laughs) presidential library and write their presidential memoirs. The first time for everything, I suppose. I'm I'm not entirely convinced (laughs) you or I are going to live long enough to read Donald Trump's presidential memoirs, but who knows? We might make it that far. The greatest memoirs. The best. (laughs) So, so you 
you could argue that he wanted to have access to some of these papers to refresh his memory. You could also argue, as some Trump insiders do, that when it comes to things like the quote-unquote love letters that he exchanged with Kim Jong-un of North Korea, Mm -hmm. that those are personal in nature, those documents are personal in nature. But then you also have to say, well, hang on a second, this is a president who we know flushed presidential papers down the White House lav while he was in office, which is in and of itself very curious and still unexplained. Mm. And what exactly is he doing with documents that reportedly include, and we we know there is a document in there that's all about the French president Emmanuel Macron, friend or foe, um, (laughs) but but, but what's he doing with documents that reportedly have all sorts of details about Emmanuel Macron's private life contained within them? I'm talking about it. You know, obviously documents like that have potential value to the United States, which is why they're all marked top secret. And also, some of these documents may have contained information about human espionage sources that the United States has in various unsavory parts of the world. And by storing these documents, the president now acknowledges, in cartons in his own office at Mar-a-Lago, a room where what, where his own lawyers say guests were coming and going all the time. I mean, you're putting these documents at substantial risk of either leaking or being used for their value in some fashion by the former president and people working at Mar-a-Lago. Indeed. Um, we've only got a minute left, but a quick word on, on what Joe Biden is up to. He's had some rather impressive results lately. Well, he's had a turnaround, and that's why we saw this uh, speech last night in Philadelphia, this dark warning that uh, there's a continued battle for the soul of America and that Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent a threat to democracy. Pretty difficult to uh, go around the world telling world leaders, including perhaps Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak in the next few weeks, that America is back when you're also arguing that America is on the brink of a, of the ultimate battle to protect uh, American democracy. But he's definitely feeling more confident. I mean, a month ago, uh, his approval ratings were down in the low 30s. They're now back in the mid 40s. He's managed to pluck victory out of the jaws of defeat uh, with regards to a whole slew of uh, key planks of his domestic policy proposals. Uh, that's potentially problematic for Democrats who were kind of hoping that Joe Biden wouldn't run for, for re-election yeah. because it sort of strengthens Biden's position as we head into the midterm elections. And Democrats are daring to dream that while the midterm election cycle isn't going to be great for them, they might not suffer the total drubbing in November that just a few weeks ago seemed inevitable. Look at that. Bang on time as well, Simon Marks. A pleasure and a privilege to talk to you as always. That's it from me for another week. I do hope you have a splendid weekend. We'll do it all again on Monday morning from 10.